so Jesus, it's kind of tough not to have the show this week focus in large part or entirely on this massacre that happened uh, earlier this week in uh, Uvalde, Texas, which I guess is um, maybe a little bit from uh, uh, west of San Antonio. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's supposed to be very close to San Antonio. You've been there? I never have. No, no, I, I had not heard of the town. Uh, I mean, frankly, even if maybe I've driven by it, I, I, don't, I wouldn't know. I mean, to like look it up to see whether it's in the way of going between Austin and Antonio, which I don't, just based on what they described, it doesn't seem like that's the case. Um, but I would think probably not. Yeah. Yeah, because I would think, uh, I mean, my sort of routes were Dallas, San Antonio, Austin, Houston. That would be east of, of uh, San Antonio. It's one, of, it's, it's one of these uh, just smaller towns that, you know, there's a ton of them, you know, in and around, obviously, big, big, uh, more urban areas like San Antonio, Houston, Austin. But right. Tuesday of this week, um, in the morning, uh, central time, at Robb Elementary School in the town of Uvalde, as everybody now knows, and certainly will know more uh, when this uh, episode comes out, a, um, an armed young person, I mean, 18 years old, uh, came into the bill into this elementary school, Rob Elementary School, and basically started shooting. At the end of the carnage, there were 19 kids and two teachers that were dead, and the suspect was killed by the police. Um, you know, in this uh, in this process, just absolutely gruesome carnage. And you know, let's start with the obvious, which is. This is absolutely unacceptable, and it's something that really cries out uh, for justice. And you know, certainly from my standpoint, and I know you have, you know, you've got a young daughter. My kids are older, but I think about how increasingly I've been feeling just about school in general, and the idea of sending kids to school, which as a parent, you would normally you want to have. Obviously, confidence in that your kids are going to be safe. But it's supposed to be the safe space, right? When you think about of all the things that could go wrong, of all the ways that potentially you know tragedy can happen, you know, driving to the other other things that you could think about, even violence from that standpoint, typically not think of school as being top of that list. And it, it is devastating, man. Like it's um, it's so interesting. I think when this news broke i was as you know i've been on the road part of the reason we're recording this a little bit late is that i've been on the road a lot and i think i was in between travel from atlanta to um uh, memphis to memphis so the news kind of hit I, th- I frankly think i may have seen it but it didn't like you know those things where it just doesn't fully register as to what what actually happened i actually you know Sad, it's also a sad thing. The first thing I thought about when I saw the headline about happening in a school is like, was this a uh, school board meeting? Remember you and mm, I talked about yeah, this months ago? Yeah, we we're like, it. this is going to eventually is going to happen. Yeah. Someone's going to take matters into their own hand. It's, 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 you know, it's gotten so much heated, so much more escalated. There's so much divisive that's happening now within the, a school environment that I just, I'm, I'm worried that that's going to happen uh, sooner than later. And, um, yeah, as the details kind of started to unfold, which was the next day on Wednesday. Um, yeah, like I, obviously, I think we all personalize this issue. Um, for me, as you mentioned, my daughter is younger. She is also in the fourth grade. 
all the kids that were killed were in the fourth grade. Yeah, between and, second and fourth grade. Which which yeah, I guess it wasn't. I guess them. it wasn't just fourth grade, but I, I guess the first that I, the first one that I heard of were all fourth grade. Maybe it was the one that I stopped listening after yeah. the, I heard fourth. grade. Well, I think the elementary school primarily like has that those grades. But you're right; but they were all just, put in one classroom basically, and it, were gunned down. Yeah, you're talking it, about seven to nine year olds basically. For sure. So it's it's devastating to think about any parent, anyone having to deal with that, having to try to rationalize. Um, how about getting how that, that call happened. while you're at work on some stupid conference call? And even 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 having to do swabs for DNA to figure out who your kid is, because in some cases they were so violently murdered that it, like that was a way to identify them, and like how. How fucked up is that? Mm-hmm. Dude? Like it's it's so devastating. It's so devastating. <clears throat> I, honestly, we hadn't really talked about what we we're going to talk about, and I was begrudging thinking about that we we're going to talk about this because yeah. it's, it's it's a tough it's a tough issue. Yeah, it's just it's, it's just, just hard to not discuss it. Though. It's hard not to discuss it. I, I agree with you, and it's but it's hard to talk about it. Yeah, it's just it's so sad, and um, there's so much to I guess kind of get into, and you've already heard some, and I've, I've frankly I've tried to even kind of stay a little bit away from hearing all the different takes on this because it's been, I, I think it, it started to happen right away when the news came out, but uh, it's almost like a like a self defense mechanism, like try to pretend like it didn't actually happen, mm-hmm. uh, and then. You mean internally with yourself? With myself, like, yeah, 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 yeah. Like trying to engage with it because like... It's well, like, I think you can personalize them a lot. Like a lot of people can. Like even it's harder for me just because my kids are almost adults, all of them. So it's it's more yeah. difficult. You see your nine-year-old daughter yeah. in, in this, I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. So that's why it makes it, I think, really, really hard to um, to think about. Uh, and, and like all these things, it's like the, the same cycle that is so frustrating... And disheartening, right? You go from massacre, then mm-hmm. there is the call to do to do something about it. The call from other people, we don't want to overreact. You have then the group that immediately comes out saying, oh, no, no, these are crisis actors. You know, I heard there was people that were saying, there was a rumor that was being spread about saying about the shooter being transgender, illegal, leftist. Mm. Look, in a really messed up way with that, what if he is? Well, maybe what I thought about like maybe if he was, it'd be the only way people actually wouldn't do something. Mm. Because it, the other thing would probably be the worst thing would be, oh, maybe he's Muslim. Okay, now now we gotta do something. Right. Like yeah. I, I think that's part of the you know when I when I heard that and I, I think it was I don't know if it was like a senator or someone that like tweeted like dude, it's so pervasive. Do you remember who that was or what that was exactly? Uh, they they tweeted that specifically that it was an illegal. Mm-hmm. Transgender leftists that had done this, and now they deleted the tweet. I mean, look, we know that what just happened earlier this year. Alex Jones finally lost the the lawsuit because for years he had been saying that it was a bunch of crisis actors that happened in the Sandy in the, Hook in the Sandy Hook massacre, and and find their parents. And I, I did hear a podcast where we were talking about this that unfortunately is going to happen where. People will go after the parents. Will go after and, and 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 accuse them of being. I mean, imagine that you you've lost your nine year old, your eight year old, and that to deal with some numb nuts saying that you're only trying to do this to try to take away their rights. Yeah, it's also hard to distinguish or distill like who the the, the kind of political actors in all of this and who is doing what for what reason, right? Like one of the things that got a lot of heat and praise, depending on where you see it, was uh, Beto O'Rourke. Mm-hmm. Busting into the 
basically the governor who is uh, Governor Abbott in Texas, his press conference briefing, you know, organizations and parents, et cetera, in terms of what they are doing to try to solve to solve this. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he he came in yeah, and, saw that. And, and, and spoke out and got yelled down by the people on the stage. And, sure. you know, the people at uh, MSNBC or, or Morning Joe are saying that, you know, that he's a hero and people on the other side are saying he's a villain and is doing it for just political posturing. But it kind of makes you ask those questions. I think one thing that you didn't finish off in your litany of things that is that cycle that starts after one of these events, what you didn't say which is also true, is that even if you organize and get passed through all that stuff, the blame game, the you know platform positioning and all that, you end up in a situation where then it goes before a body, namely Congress, that can do nothing anyway. Or that won't do any, nothing anyway. That's just a reality. That's what I mean. Won't do anything just anyway. unwilling to do anything about it. Now, there's also like the real issues. And look, I, 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 I don't want to spend time for obvious reasons talking about the specifics about the carnage or even necessarily talking about the shooter personally, although I do think there's some issues that we need to discuss. But I do want to talk about a, a number of things and kind of get your take on it, right? One of them is like part of, I think, the reason that leads to the cycle that you just described mm-hmm. is a kind of... Um, binary or single kind of uh, variable way of thinking about this, right? You very quickly have people immediately coming out for, you know, gun control legislation. And I think, you know, that's worth that's worthy of a discussion. And then you have people on the other side coming out, uh, you know, talking about that's not going to solve the issue. This is a... This is not the time. This is not the time. Or there's a, you know, there, whatever, whatever the, the, the other the other argument is. But I think the issue is, and why we get into that loop, is because I actually don't think this issue is a single variable thing. Uh, I, yeah, I was thinking about this because as much as I was dreading having this conversation, you know, I, I, I think the part that I've struggled with is like, what, what is, is there a solve? What is the solve? And what is the issue? I don't think it's a gun policy issue. I'll, I'll, I'll start with, I think it's kind of where you're getting at. I think you have a- Or not a, only one. It's definitely not the only one. There's a yeah. lot of things that are that are that are there, right? But there's a lot of things that are not unique to us as a country, right? But one thing that is unique to us is we have a gun culture problem. Mm. Regardless of where you sit in the equation or whether you want more guns, less guns, as a country, we have a gun culture problem. I heard a stat just on that point alone that in the last two years, there's been something like 10 to 15 million first-time gun mm-hmm. buyers yeah, remember all throughout COVID remember when COVID started there was lines and lines of people uh, you know lining up to go to go buy guns right and to think, a, and to the point that you brought up most of those guns if they do end up killing somebody it'll probably be themselves mm-hmm. that's right that's the highest likelihood of who it would actually kill suicide yeah. the suicide we have a massive gun culture problem yeah and I think that that's probably the right way to frame it um do you think that there's also related to the gun culture? Is there a trust problem? In other words, why are people like, look, I, I've said it before on the show. I'm not a gun person. I've shot guns. I have sure. a lot of friends. Who, I have as well. Sure. I have a lot of friends who have, you know, full armories in their house, but it's never been my, my thing. I've never, but, you but, know. Yeah. But the trust, yeah. The trust why issue. Do you, why do you buy a gun? Like what's the reason the, to buy a gun? The, the trust issue that you, that you're bringing up. Yeah, there's definitely trust issues that we have have in this country that have gone worse. People trust the government less than what they've had to do before, right? We're trending mm-hmm. that direction. But that's also not unique to us as a country. 
right? There's plenty of countries people mistrust their government and that don't have gun culture problems, right? We just do. I think it's part of the DNA that we've had as a part of the formation of it. It's been so central to how this country was created. And and a thing to me when I think about that in terms of the reasons to bear arm, right, in case you take arms against your government, that may have made sense when people were, were have single-shot musks um, like way back in the day where you could actually take on the government that way. This day and age, what are we talking about, mm-hmm. right? In a day and age of, miss- of, of uh, radar-guided uh, missiles, of drones, of all this technology that is out there where we can be in war with a country and never step a single foot in there, Having one or having 100 guns at home is not going to be the reason why you're going to stop the government if that's, you know, if, that, if that's a, a, a route or something you're trying to avoid for. So it, it is just this, this cultural thing. And I do think there is this ingrained issue in our, in our society that we're just unwilling to even consider that there may be a problem there, that we may have a cultural issue there. And this unwillingness to even engage in this conversation. I heard someone talking about it earlier today was saying, uh, when 9-11 happened, no one was, was saying, oh, this is not the time to react, overreact. Let's first figure out who really did it. Who? None of that. People were yeah, like, we need, we need to act right now. Yeah, we need to definitely and act I, right I share with you before, like, in a very, very jaded view, and first time, if people, if we weren't willing to make change after Sandy Hook, a bunch of primarily middle-class white kids were gunned down, people are not going to act with a bunch of Latino kids getting gunned down. I'm sorry, mm-hmm. but there is no act. I'm, I'm sure there's people right now saying they're probably half of them are illegal who are thinking that, just looking at the faces at the, at the, at the last I'm minute, sure there are people that like have that. no interest whatsoever that's to even engage. To think that way. I, I, I agree with you. I'm just saying, yeah. if we didn't make change after Sandy Hook, this is not going to be easy to make, make change. Well, so let, let, let's, let's return to something, though, that I think is really interesting that you said, which is this is not a gun policy th- issue. That in and of itself, that statement runs you afoul of a lot of people, like right away, because a lot of people believe it actually is purely a gun policy issue. In other words, if we have the right law, this kind of stuff won't happen. You know what? I disagree with that, Charlie. I think people understand that we have this very ingrained gun culture in this country, and the only solution that people could think of is policy to try to change that. I don't think anyone's disagreeing that we don't have a gun culture problem. I think what they're saying is if we're going to try to fix that gun culture problem, you may try to do it with policy. I, I, I feel that way as well. I think policy can help start turning the tide. But even with different policy, you still have a gun culture problem. Going back to the point, which is most of the people being killed by guns are, A, killing themselves, and B, these are not actually rifles that they're using. Right. Handguns. Do mostly. I think we should be having assault rifles on the street? Mm-hmm. No. Do I think we should be having the ability to buy a gun without any kind of background check? Absolutely not. But the point I'm trying to make is even if you solve for those things, we still have a massive gun And those measures problem. that you just described are broadly supported by of huge swaths of the American uh, population. The idea of just uh, universal, government, unfortunately. universal background checks and um, you know certain bans yeah, just, on— just, just not our policymakers. I mean, that's, it's, a, it's a perfect example of that. But I guess where supported I was— Supported by most people, but not policymakers. But I guess where I was going with the policy question is that if it was purely policy and you look at—or what do you make of this okay. thought— the thought is, in Chicago last year, 2021, there was 800 homicides, most of them with firearms, none of them really that I could find with um, you know, military style or whatever you want to call it, assault, assault rifle 
uh, you know, kind of uh, weaponry, mostly with handguns. Mm-hmm. It's illegal in Chicago to have a gun. Like, straight up, there is no nuance there. You just can't have one. So the policy is no, and yet you have 800 homicides with well, handguns. Well, that's the reason. What, why you, what do you make of that? Yeah, you can't solve for national issues through city policy. Mm. You just can't. It's like the same thing that was happening with COVID. Yeah, you could have a city have a different policy, right? But people, hey, guess what? People actually travel. They 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 cross counties. They drive through cities. It's really hard to keep something now if, as a nation, you have a very inconsistent approach of how you handle things. So you think it's sort of like seepage or leakage into uh, into. So that. if you can't buy a gun in the city of, which I'm, I'm taking your word for all this, I, I just it's don't basically know. Basically, right, for like, intents and purposes, illegal for people to have right. firearms. If you can't, yeah. if you can't buy a gun in the city of Chicago, how long, how far do you have to drive to buy a gun with no questions asked, with no background check? What does that drive look like? An hour, forty-five minutes. Yeah, and if that's the case, how hard is it really? How much are you really stopping that? I think the 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 argument that gets most of my attention on this um, is the argument about just the simple, massive quantity of firearms that are in the country. Because yeah. by virtue of that, availability to them is more prominent. So let's assume that a huge swath of them are stolen. Let's assume a huge swath of them are. Uh, you know, unregistered or whatever, they sawed off the serial numbers. It kind of doesn't matter. The fact is, if there's more there to grab, then it could fall into more hands that it shouldn't belong to. So that argument, you know, holds some water for me. The other one is is the idea of, you know, a universal background check. Now, to be noted, in this particular case, with what happened in uh, in Uvalde this week, the this person did have a universal background check. Um, but it didn't capture a lot of the other data, like the fact that they, you know, had some pretty serious warning signs. So, but I, but I think most people would look at that and say, yeah, we should have this kind of moment to run a background check on somebody, and yet that's not something we're really able to get, like yeah. legislated, right? Yeah. Well, uh, and I think there's a, a number of things there that you're talking about, right? The first one I would say is like, if I hear the gu- the argument that. Because we already have too many guns, therefore we can't have better gun policy. Like it's almost like too late. I just don't think that that really. Have you heard that? But it's, but it's a little bit of what you're saying, right? There's already no, so many guns that's out not what there. I'm saying. There's already the so many. I think there's already so many guns out there that the the likelihood. I can hear this argument. So many already, so many guns already out there. The likelihood of someone getting their hands to illegal guns is higher. Therefore, let's not take away the rights of those that want to have guns that's legally. Definitely not because, what I'm saying. What I'm saying. Okay, yeah. so so let's say that's one yeah. argument. To me, that's not a great argument because then you're in this case that you can never do anything about it. Like the the the, the boat has sailed, good luck, you know, let, let things go where they go. I think that's one thing. When we start talking about policy, I think too many times we talk about policy in the context of one policy that fixes everything. Yeah. And when we talk about a culture problem, you got to look at a lot of different and things that impact the issue. that's my whole point, is the variable now, now, analysis. Now, that doesn't mean that we shouldn't be making strides at adding policy that starts to chip away at that problem. Yeah. That includes the, some of the stuff that we talked about. And, some of the just mm-hmm. the access to, to the guns that we that we have right now, it just makes no sense to me. Because the way that I would equate it with this, like if, if these high-power rifles that are meant for war, people should have. Right, people are very against about like limiting the sale of that. Then fine, then then do it all. Then let them have grenades. Let them have every single type of weapon. Why are we stopping people from having any kind of weapon? Because if the goal is to hand, if the if 
Your constitutional right says you need to be able to bear arms. You can fight the government. Then you need a lot more than just a high power rifle to fight the government. You're gonna need nukes. You need nukes. You need grenades. You need you need rocket launcher. You need everything. Let's do that. Yeah. And then the second thing is like, well, if we do that, do we think it's gonna create more death on regular people or less death on regular people? I'm gonna venture to say it's probably more. I agree with. I mean, the point that I was making on the availability of guns is is not what you took. I, I okay. just I just meant that from. You know, there's a certain contingent, mostly left of center, that says, um, you know, that there's tons of guns in the country and like more guns than people. And that's how the narrative kind of begins. I actually think that that just on a logical level means that more guns, irrespective of how they get into into these situations, are going to be available, principally for suicide. Like if it's easy to grab a gun. Because there's more of them there, I think that it follows that you're going to have more death and carnage. So I actually think that that makes a lot of sense. Now, what to do about the 400 million guns that we have is another, you know, is another question. But right. I actually see value in, 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 in that, in that uh, starting point. But the point that I was making at the very top of this is that I think we do have to look at this as a culture issue. And cultures have variables. There's a lot mm-hmm. of things to attack on a variety of different fronts. And it's not like doing doing a policy change, which I think we should do in a lot of cases, I think helps because it helps at the margins. It helps eliminate maybe 2 to 3%. And to your point, perfection is the enemy of the good. Is it not better to have 2% less, 3% less? I'm all for that. Let's have right. 2 or 3% less. But I don't think it deals with the culture issue yeah. as much as people well, who have that argument believe it will. Well, because we can't even get on the same page of, of agreeing on simple policy that, to your point, most Americans actually agree with, let alone admitting that we actually have. It's like it's like we're having an argument about whether or not we should stop drinking after, you know, should have that extra scotch or not. And we can't agree on that. But the thing we're not talking about is we're actually alcoholics. Like right. the problem is we've now got, you know, 12 days in a row of, of, <laughs> of dropping back, you know, 13 drinks a day. And we're debating whether or not we should have one more scotch. Yeah. See, and so I think the cultural problem here, and, and this is where I don't see anyone, especially on those that are the pro-gun rights, to want to have any conversation that even starts to admit that we may have a gun problem, a gun culture problem. But even, never, if, even, even if we been... disagree, even if disagree that the solution to solve for that problem may be a different one. But to be honest, I don't know. That, I don't know that I've ever even heard it framed the way that you did, though. I think you're maybe giving people too much credit. I, if yeah, if you if, if if you approached it or whatever, policymakers approached it more as a cultural phenomenon and not necessarily a gun thing. I think that that gets precisely to the issue that I'm trying to make, which is there's all kinds of variables. I mean, look at this particular person who did this this uh, craziness this week. I mean, this is a person who, um, you know, there's evidence that he was literally showed up uh, to meet a friend and had all kinds of scars and wounds on his face. And his friend asked him. He was cutting himself. He was literally cutting his face open, you know, with a knife. Right. Shoots his grandmother, who he lives with, before he goes off and shoots the school. And, you know, he'd been saying other things and, and whatever. People had noticed some of this behavior. You know, that to me, again, to your point, the gun is more available, therefore I'm going to use that weapon. But that person is disturbed and in need of help, period. Like there's something right. driving that, 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 that process. And to me, if we start at gun, it's almost like giving somebody a car and they keep crashing it. And the first thing you want to do is, well, let's look at changing out the steering wheel. It's like, well, maybe that contributes to it. Maybe you could have a, you know, less sure. wonky steering wheel, but like, 
Can we look at the driver? Can we look at the conditions of the road? Can we look at like what other things that are happening? And I feel that it's much more this kind of one variable, one note kind of thing. It's we need more gun laws or not now slippery slope kind of thing. Yeah. And it's the, I think the part that is very frustrating for all of us that do see as a as there that we have a problem, even if we don't agree what the solution is, but there is a problem. Even if we don't agree what the, the definition of the problem is, is this idea that, oh, no, we can't even talk about it. Not the time to do it. Well, when is the time to do it? Is it going to be during this weekend's NRA convention? Is that the time to do it? Mm-hmm. Or no, that's not, that's not the time to do it. Let's mm-hmm. do it when, when we don't have an NRA convention going on. Okay. When is that time? And also, it kind of speaks to going back to your multivariable problem the reality that how much influence these different organ- private organizations have in the political system through donations. I mean, that's, that's a big part of the problem. And it's not just a, a gun issue, right? All of these different folks that are out there that are ex-politicians that are now, they work for big corporations whose job is to law the lobbyists to fund their causes that are dictating policy that gets put in our country. That, and, then, and I guess people, you know, put their blinders on to say we're not even we don't even want to like engage in the conversation. Yeah, I was I was hearing of, of and I don't even know if it was a recent or not. Someone was talking about this that there was like a ten minute moment of silence. Um, I think it might have been Congress or something. And this guy was like, "Live it. Why? We have an hour where we can make real change happen. Like, do the memo after the fact. Why are we in, in trying to show this respect? What you're doing is not actually taking action." And I agree with that. Like, that's the problem. Like, we're, you know, everyone wants to immediately react with the things that they think that they should say to make people feel a little bit better. But these are all just passing the buck. They're just to appease people, this whole moment of solidarity. Solidarity without action means you don't give a shit. You're just, you're just, this is all virtual signaling that you supposedly care about the issue and you don't. Yeah. I mean, I look at that a little bit differently because I'm a, I'm a person of prayer and I believe that a moment of silence and if in that moment you're praying, that's a good thing. But I do think that people can use that. But do you think that prayer should then lead into some kind of action? Yeah. It, you see what I'm saying? Like, like for, I, I like the prayer sure. as long as that prayer then be like, okay, great. Let's, let's pray for inspiration of how to solve this problem. Mm-hmm. Let's pray for enlightenment to at least agree that we have a problem. Right? Like if, and we definitely if, if all have I'm a doing problem. Is, is I'm praying that this person hopefully feels better, but I'm unwilling to engage in the topic, then yeah. what are you really doing? Yeah, I agree with that. I just wouldn't want to like, you know, outlaw moments of silence no, and I'm prayer. <laughs> that's, a part, yeah. that's a topic for another another show. That's, that's not what, what, do you, that's not what, what I'm saying. In terms of having the discussion, there's been some people, I mean, just yesterday, I think, or today, Michael Moore, famous uh, documentarian right. director. I heard that name in a while, yeah. Came out and just said, we need to abolish the Second Amendment. Like he was like, let's have that discussion. Like that is the discussion. Now, again, that solves it at the point of gun, which I think you do that. And uh, and by the way, I'm, I'm even happy to have that discussion because, again, at the margins is a little improvement better than none. But I don't think that actually helps. That fixes the culture piece of it. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, what do you make what, of that what's argument? What's interesting of that argument is that feels like a Trump style negotiation. Remember you and I talked about this? Yeah, that they start- meet in the middle. Like I'm suing you already. We haven't even had a conversation. I'm already suing you. Yeah, we haven't now done, let's we haven't talk done about. The deal. Now let's talk. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, excuse me. Who is this? That reminds me of the contract. Do you remember negoti- who is this? Like the contract you know? negotiations we would do in business, where you spend six weeks talking about the termination clause. I'm like, we haven't even signed the agreement yet. So that's my point. So could I see that a little bit of a? Hey, is he doing it for effect? Probably. Is that could be a negotiation tactic that actually like really gets to actual change? 
I don't say I'm not necessarily for the idea of abolishing the Second Amendment. It's a little. I bit don't like have the, the police. Maybe it's yeah. A bit. Well, I just think you have to be careful with some of those because they can have the complete opposite reaction. Like they found the police was such a political misstep. You literally could not think of a worse name for 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 a cause that could have been about something very very different. And that once people got that name, they're like, great, we're gonna run with it. And anything you said, anything you try to clarify the position. So I think if can't unring that bell. If you t- if people take this as a mantra of abolish the Second Amendment, and that's what comes out of this, unfortunately, we're gonna go backwards. I think anyone that is for pro uh, pro gun, Aaron was for pro Second Amendment. Any conversation is probably gonna stop at that point. I, I don't see there are certain things that you just cannot frame that way. Uh, and I just, I just think we'll, it will, I think we'll have, it will have the opposite effect. But in that Trumpian way of thinking, do you, do you think that that moves the goalposts a little bit and says, well, hey, they're talking about abolishing the Second Amendment, therefore let's concede on X, Y, and Z, which isn't that? Yeah, I, as much as I would, I would love to say that that could be a good Trumpian negotiation style, I think in this case, because that will be coming from the left, who can't even get themselves that, their own side organized, like good luck. So it's going to splinter them even further, and they're probably going to be like, see, I told you we're going to want to get rid of exactly what we've been saying. Mm. They want us to give an inch, they can take the whole thing. And I think it just doesn't work. What do you make of um, age restrictions for firearms? Like right now, I think federally it's eight, you know 18 or something, right? So, But states may add or vary that a right. little bit. But And that's ba- – in fact, in California, the the um, this was one of the propositions recently that got – uh, the state sued, I think, or I'm sorry, somebody sued, and the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals actually rejected California's uh, legislative bid to increase the age limit for rifles, right? They were trying to go from 18 to 25, I think it was. And the Ninth Circuit said that was unconstitutional. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I think we're extremely inconsistent when it comes to age, so we should just pick one. Is it 21 or is it 18, right? And for all of it. You can't be an adult in some things and not an adult in other things. You yeah. can't go to war when you're 18. You can't be given a gun by, by a the gun. government to go shoot somebody right. else. Right, we give a gun to the government. Like you're mature enough to be given a gun and go to war and shoot somebody, but not mature enough to have a beer. Let's pick one, right? So whether we really believe now, do I think realistically that people are still kids at 18? I do. And, I do too. And 100%. It's, did I think and that it's was, also a very turbulent time? Did I just think in I, did I think that case when I was eighteen? Of course not. None of us do. None of us that are at that age think that we're kids, but we are. And the and the older you get, the more you see yourself and where you were in that age. I think there's so much of yourself that you're still trying to figure out. So would I be for all that getting raised consistently across the board? For sure, we should. I think we'd just be better off even being in the military, getting a gun, even drinking, like push it all up. Yeah, you know what? I mean, it's interesting. Look, I would say if you're going to do that, I wouldn't necessarily have a have an issue with it. Because that's where some of the inconsistencies right on both sides come up, right? Voting, generally speaking, folks on maybe the progressive wing of the Democrat Party want to – there's pressure, downward pressure on the, on the voting age, right? There's even some propositions for 16, et cetera. And the argument is like, you know, these are people, they're, they're, they're sure. citizens, they, they have a right. And, you know, so there's that. But then on something like guns, it's in the opposite direction, right? 25, et cetera, maybe even older, maybe not right. in certain cases. Right, right, right. So there's some of that inconsistency that it brings up some of those, those, yeah. uh, those and, questions. And look, what I love, the, do I love the idea of, of taking away the rights of anyone to vote? Of course not. But, but I do think if you are going to have a consistent age for things, I think I could see why someone make the argument. I will go the other way. But you probably should stop letting people vote after a certain age. Yeah. Same way we don't let them drive anymore. Right? And I'm sure you will be like, wait a minute. I'm 95 and I can still know what I'm voting. Like, but do you? 
Is it more one of your kids that is doing this for you? I was, I was, I mean, and it's not. It's obviously a very unpopular thing that I'm saying at this point. But I'm just simply saying, if that is something they want to look at consistently, then maybe that's it. I just don't care for the for the. I don't understand nor care for how inconsistent we are or how we look at age, depending on scenario. And I don't see any scenario where someone can be possibly mature enough to to have a gun that the government is giving to you, not even buy it. The government is giving to you for you to go and shoot someone for free. And yet you can't have a beer. Like that just doesn't, those two don't equate. One of them is off. In the immigration issue, there's a lot of desire to get to root causes, right? Mm-hmm. We hear that all the time. In fact, uh, our vice president got in, in, put in charge of essentially trying to understand the root causes for, you know, things like chain migration, et cetera, or migratory patterns, blah, blah, blah. And she went to Central America and did all that stuff. There's a lot of energy and enthusiasm for trying to find the root causes that drive illegal, informa- illegal immigration. And that's from people, uh, you know, who ideologically, generally speaking, support more liberal uh, immigration policies. Why do you think it's there's not as much energy for the kind of root cause conversation around gun violence? Because we, I think, we are unwilling to even agree that there's any kind of problem. At least on the in the immigration issue, whether liberals want to admit it or not, most. May not like it, may support, maybe more more friendly to more positive. But no one's saying no. We, what are you talking about? There is no issue at all. Like, what are we talking about? No, 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 nothing, nothing to look here. Like, look somewhere else. I'm maybe there is some that, I, but I have not heard any like Democrat or liberal politician ever say that there is no immigration issue whatsoever. Most typically say we need to fix the immigration problem at the root, at the whatever, at the root, at the pause. We got. But it's always like some problem that at least they're conceding that there is. And, of course, you have conservatives that, are, that are obviously will highlight that. And that's the issue, Charlie, is that when it comes to gun policy, gun culture, you have one side that is screaming and pulling their hair out that we have a problem. And the other side that said nothing to look at here. We have we already have laws, enforce those laws. We have a second, second amendment. We've got to protect that. There is no problem. But in this and case, I think that's, the, that's, I think, the fundamental difference between immigration and gun policy. But I think in this case, the people who might not be willing to look at the root cause of the issue is precisely the side that would look at the root cause of the issue in immigration, though. I, I know, but we're all, we're human. We're inconsistent beings. We have, we're very You and I have a conversation. I'm sure you, very quickly we discovered that I have 30 different inconsistency about things. Literally, you, you kind of caught you. one. Not you. You kind of caught one already when it comes to the age of voting. I'm like, I feel like, oh crap, I don't know. I hadn't thought about it. The voting, yeah. like, I don't know how much I love what I just said, you know? Sure. We're, I think we're all like that. We're human. We're all very inconsistent. But when it comes to, I think, gun policy, I think that's the problem is that, you have one side that is pro-Second Amendment that is unwilling to even consider that there's any kind of problem. And when, when, and that's, I, I and when that's the that. case, I think that's why we can't get past this moment anyway. So I agree with what you said. I do think that the right, generally speaking, or people who are very pro-gun are unwilling to look at this as a cultural problem but to I'm contend saying with. pro-gun. I'm not saying right necessarily. Yes, it probably overlaps pretty well. But I'm simply saying anyone that is pro-gun at this point and that is against – well, I'm saying I'm sort of equating pro being pro gun to not wanting to recognize that, that we have a gun culture problem, um, and maybe there are some people that are at the edges that that are pro gun, but also right. recognize there's a problem. You know, I don't know. No, I agree with you on that on that point. I guess what I'm saying is, I think to make it a fuller statement, though, I think that the other side of the equation is not let's do something. I think the other side of the equation needs some introspection too, and needs to admit that there's a root problem here as well. 
just yeah. like there is with immigration. And it doesn't seem to happen very often. So I'm, I agree with you on the right. I just think that it has to happen as well on the left for different reasons. Yeah. I mean, it's just solving those kind of root problems require a level of, of self-assessment of what the issue is that I, I just don't see anyone wanting to engage in. You well, know, and I think that's that's a big part of the problem that we that we have right now. I mean, it's... You know, you know. I know we talked about this whole issue about gun gun rights and and what needed to happen. I, I don't know. I am out of ideas of what needs to happen. How much more horrific? Because even we, when I started thinking about it, from a, like who are some of those conservative pockets that will be most affected by this? We have a a uh, a, a mass shooting event that happened in Las Vegas and a country festival. You know, this is not people that are like. <laughs> That that is well, probably, just, probably people that are probably more likely to be pro guns. You just had it in Buffalo. That's not in necessarily Buffalo, blue. Well, I mean, New York is. Well, in Buffalo, yeah, but you can say okay. But even the Buffalo situation, I can say okay. Well, the, they went into a grocery store and shot a primarily African American grocery store. Someone that had a, obviously a very racist ideology. It's easy to dismiss those things. Be like, oh, that's something else. That's not really a gun issue. That's a racism issue. That's something else. But what I'm saying is like when you have Sandy Hook, when you have middle class. Mostly white kids that are being murdered. Columbine. And still Columbine and still nothing happens. I, I am out of words as to what, like at this point, what needs to happen for, for everyone to be say, hey, we, we do have a national problem. Another aspect of this whole thing has been the response by the police force and the security apparatus around schools. A lot of people talking about you know, uh, service officers or whatever you used to call them. I don't know what they called them when you were in Security school. Security officers, what like they a, called but them. But they had yeah. guns. Yeah. Right? I mean, Wasn't I'm, that Ted Cruz's idea? Oh, we should be having like armed guardsmen in all, all, all these schools? No, I'm talking about in my own in my own school. Like in d- d- when you came up in high school, was there like a service officer or there, somebody? There was, yeah. Right. There was a, usually a police uh, car outside of our, of our school and there was security that were armed. There was also multiple drive-bys in my school. I also saw a young woman get killed when I was, you know, in 10th grade right next to me. So there was real reason, real danger that was there. Now, there, it wasn't necessarily people going into the school to shoot it up. What it was is it was gang activity. But that's the thing is I think the definition of real danger has evolved, though. I, th- I don't think it's just people coming up and, you know, where you came up. I think it's oh, like— Oh, for sure. For sure. You know, it's— Yeah, we're talking about communities that are not— no, no one would have would have wanted to change gun culture or gun policy because of something happened in the hood and someone got shot because of gang activity. Right. Look at Parkland. That's the other one we haven't mentioned. That's oh, yeah. a very wealthy area. I know it well in Florida. And that, right. That's kind of my point, Charlie. Is like when when it's happening in those places and people are, are unwilling to even like recognize that there's a problem. You had Alex Jones that 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 spent years. You know, saying false information that yeah. these were all, you know, crisis actors, you know, and it required them having to be sued. I mean, now this is not going to get into the whole conversation around around uh, uh, censorship and to what and to what degree do any of these platforms have a responsibility to shut that down when these basically false narratives start start turning up right away. Now, the free speech part of me maybe says like, well, this should, it should all just roll and then you get better information coming out that then pushes that down. But there's real, real world harm that is happening in that process, you know, and especially for those families that are directly impacted. Like yeah. that's the part that's really sad. But what, what, what's your take on the right security or police response right now? If you had to make a right now decision, which is what you said, forget the 10 minutes of silence, let's go do something right now. Is there something that can be done right now on that front or that isn't happening? 
on that front? I mean, there the, the probably is a situation in certain schools that are been dealing with issues around bullying, that are dealing with issues that have already been some levels of rise in violence, where I wouldn't, uh, not that I recommend this be the first, uh, you know, the first act, but I could definitely see why some of these schools are, are probably having questions right like tonight, literally saying, hey, we may need to, I think we need to get some additional security here. We need to go find, like, make sure that all our doors can lock from the inside. We have to be able to make sure that people can do a drill so they understand that. I mean, here you have a situation where you have someone outsider coming in where you would hope that schools are well, are better prepared on outsiders coming in. The problem is that even if you solve for that is when it's happening from the inside, when it's students that actually go to that school is the one that, that are creating, that are, that are causing these these crimes, which has happened in a number of other, other cases. So. Yeah, I guess you could go try to solve for the issue of outsiders coming in. How do we make sure that that doesn't happen? Go fix all of our locks. Make sure that things are that we have cameras, that we have security. You can start with, with that with that kind of thing for the immediate, but that's not the solve. Throwing more guns at a, at a at a gun culture problem is not the way to solve it. Do you have any prescriptions for what you would do? I don't know, man. I, I yeah, I, I I don't know. I think the. At a be if, if if having the ability to be in a position to actually look at actual change once again, while I agree that it is a cultural issue, I think I think policy can start to lead the way. I think there's things that people agree with in general that we should be like those should be enacted immediately. If most people agree that universal background checks is something that we should do, you know what? Let's start with that. Let's get some wins here to actually show that the lives of these children actually matter. That the lives of these parents who are now left without their kids uh, being there with them, like th- those lives. Uh... Yeah, no, I hear you. And I, and I, think, I think that's right. I think that we should get the – it's like, you know, this may be an, an inelegant way of thinking about it, but – Approaching it almost like a problem that we would contend with in the regular course of business, right? You wouldn't try to say we have a version 10 solution to a version one step. Do you know what I mean? You would start with something. Yeah. I mean, you know, we talk so much about like in in startup culture about like testing, iterating. Right. Change it. But all of it is about moving the things in a a better direction. And I think that's the the point of frustration of that there is no interest in moving any of it in the right direction. There is this complete denial that there's any problem whatsoever. And I think the whole thing about just, you know, you you, you think about not just the loss of these people, it's like what's the – What's going to be the 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 sort of the result of all of this, right? Of all of it. it's just so. In, it's just going to be just people being frustrated, sad, being getting kind of getting harassed, and nothing good ever like comes out of this. And that's what I what I what I think about. And maybe it is. I'm definitely soft in my heart as it relates. To, I think about this primary Latino community that is dealing with this. That if there was, if once again the middle, and I'm not picking on the middle class white kids. I'm really not because those families were really really hurt. I'm simply saying in this country, we tend to many times prioritize folks that are of higher wealth, that are more like the, like the general population. So if they can't get that kind of respect and love and 
an action, like what shot do these other people have? Yeah, no, and that's a it's a very poignant point. Um, I'd like to hope that human nature and our ability to come together would defy that. But I, I also am very realistic about it because, um, you know, when things hit close to home, they seem to matter more. And the reality is that home for the people who have the control and the power of making some of these changes is generally not in those communities that you just described. And we yeah. know that very well. So, yeah, I don't, I don't know. Um, and when, you know, look, for me, it's, it's like when there isn't a sort of natural solution, that's why I was such a proponent of the moment of silence. Yeah. Like there is this, you know, uh, kind of supernatural part that I think needs to also come to the surface. And that's, that's an important thing for me and I'm bringing people it, together. You know, I'm you all know? for it. Like, listen, this is, this is maybe what we need, right? I mean, that's just the reality in this. I just hope that those prayers are for inspiration to be able to make change happen. Yeah. That's really all I'm saying. It's like, because I think the part that many people are frustrated about when they hear the infamous thoughts and prayers is that it feels empty. It feels like a thing to appease people because we're not, because there's no intent behind it to do anything different. Right. Like I'm praying so that you feel better. And of course, people want people to feel better, but ultimately, the thing that you always say, right, where someone's walking and they fall behind you, they fall in front of you, like, hey, I have thoughts and prayer that you get up and that you didn't get hurt. Mm -hmm. Hey, thanks, guy. Why don't you just give me a little hand and help me get up while you're right here? Of course. It's got to be both. And there's the, sure. So I think that's the. So so yeah, I I I would love to see a a move, movement towards at least on the things that we do mostly agree on as a population, be able to put some of those things in place, so that if you are able to avoid, to your point, one life being spared because of that, then 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 we're going to be better off than where we are right now. And and it's uh, but it's a sad day, man. It's a it's a sad it's a sad time for this country, unfortunately, and I think for all of us. Um, and I especially feel for those for those for those parents that are dealing with us that um, you know that their life has been ripped ripped apart as ass. Yeah, there's no question that it has. So I, I think we can we can leave this right right here, but maybe just to end on you know a, a somewhat optimistic note, you know for the record for what it's worth, my prayer is for the consolation of all involved and also that we use this as a moment of self reflection and a moment to actually recognize that there's problems, and a, re- and a moment to recognize that there's human beings involved in all this, and human beings are complex, and we have to be able to get at all of these different issues in order to actually have like a sustainable kind of solution to this, because I think the way that we're approaching it is, is using very blunt instruments to solve a problem, um, and it's not going you know, to bear fruit. So that's my great hope, and I am hopeful that we can maybe make that turn and have that conversation, you know, as a country. That, that that's that's an honest thought, even if it may sound naive to people listening to this. I really do hope that that's the case. Um, so we'll leave that right there. Um, and in you know, in the memory of all the people that uh, that were lost, and uh, you know, with great hope that we do something about it. Thank you for the conversation, brother. Yeah, yeah. No, it's just this. Um, it's a, it's a tough one, and um, you know, I think for 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 all of those folks out there. You know that are having to explain this to their to their kids. Hey, I think you should. Like we've had that conversation with my daughter, and it's and it's it's not an easy one for them to understand at this age. But it's also important to engage your kids in these kind of dialogues, and um, you know, it's just a big reminder of, of the the frailty of 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 life, of and human life, of human life, and the value of human and life. The, yeah, and the value for sure. We've obviously had having a lot of conversations on that, and and. 
you know the the that I just hope that, that energy that was that has been had around the the conversation at the dawn of life also happens when these kids are alive and they're and their absolutely lives are taken away from them. absolutely one hundred percent certainly is for me and a lot of people that I know. All right, Jesus, let's leave that where it's at. Um, we've got, uh, as always, uh, lots of topics and conversations to come, but uh, we're going to leave this episode right here in memory of all the people who passed at Uvalde. We'll see you again next time on TDR.